0: Beloved Church of God, beginning our service before the Lord, let us stand and affirm the promise that relates to the door of our hope. Let the resurrection of Christ reign in our bodies. You are my Lord, and I sing unto you. We will will sing. Let us bow our heads in prayer. Dear Heavenly Father, in the name of Jesus Christ, we are grateful to your holy name for this once again privilege to be in this place that your hand has outlined for the worship of your holy name. And so, allow your inheritance in the name of the covenant of blood to be lifted to unreachable heights for us and to break all evil and sin that binds us. May in the service be cursed as before all the works of devil, illnesses, poverty, premature death, demonic dependencies, all forms of fears, depression, destruction, ignorance, covetousness, All of this, let it depart from the tents of your holy people and stand, Lord, on the place of your rest, you and the ark of your greatness. And may your saints be clothed in your salvation and may they rejoice before your countenance. Give us more from your Spirit. Fill us with the Holy Spirit and allow us to find your holy face. I present this service into your divine arms. Guide it with your uplifted hand. Almighty God, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. Amen. May the Lord bless you. You may be seated. Peace to you. May the peace of God be multiplied unto you. Today, I would like to remind us of that word that we hear, and that inheritance that God reveals to His chosen remnant. And the word is called our inheritance in the name of God, Rock of Israel. We have already gone over several names of God. And because right now we are studying what price we need to pay in order to enter into this inheritance of the name of God, Most High, the Rock of Israel, then today we are going to be reminded of the definitions of the Rock of Israel because these definitions are that reward that we must look upon so that we could fulfill our, our calling and our vocation, our calling and our election that is given to every person. And we know this fully well, our calling and our election to set aside the former way of life of the old man, to renew our thinking and through this renewed thinking to clothe ourselves into this holy selective love. Oh, selective, because it chooses, it loves only those who love it, and it despises all of those who do not follow along its ways, who does not want to dwell in this fear of the Lord. Psalm of David, Psalms 18, 18, Verses 1 through 4. I will love you, O Lord, my strength. The Lord is my rock and my fortress and my deliverer, my God, my, my strength, rock of Israel, in whom I will trust, my shield, and the horn of my salvation, my stronghold. I will call upon the Lord who is worthy to be praised, so shall I be saved from my enemies. We know that in this song of David, it is separated into three different parts. The first part points the state of David's heart, or the state of the one who is praying, and from this state, will depend, will affect what kind of what kind of prayer we will have. That's why first it's necessary to cleanse our hearts with the blood of Jesus Christ, and we already know how to do this. We've already study this. And now we've stopped to talk about the second part of this prayer of this psalm that unveils the contents of a just prayer that is inherent to kings, priests, and prophets. On one hand, this prayer that da- in which David expresses his portion in the eight names of God Most High tells us that this prayer is made in the boundaries of a covenant made with God. Because the number eight points to the number of the covenant. And this prayer is the strategic teaching that is called to be our calling and royal priestly garments in order to clothe us as warriors of prayer so that we can fulfill our calling. And if a person has not accepted, so if a person has not accepted those words that he hears from this place, From this pulpit, if he has not accepted this anointing to rule, if he has not accepted this word to be a king and priest and prophet, he is not going to be able to fulfill his calling, and this will be very unfortunate. And we have already studied, and we are currently studying our inherited portion, And we have already studied a few of the names, the Lord is my rock, the Lord is my strength, the Lord is my rock, the Lord is my fortress, the Lord is my deliverer, and we've stopped to study the Lord is my rock of Israel. Today again we are going to study our inherited portion, in Christ Jesus, in the name of God, rock of Israel, rock of Israel. And the name Rock of Israel, yielding the nature of the Most High in the character of His word, belongs to the portion only of warriors of prayer. And, as we know, this word, this rock means the tip of a mountain cliff, a stone, stone fence, shelter a shadow from the rock, victorious elephant tusk ivory, eternal dominion, promises of imperishable food, and the consolation of the world, or consolation of peace. And as we know, in this prayer song of David, the name of God, Rock of Israel, contains the inherited portion of the Son of God. And as we hear each time, Pastor says, for us to inherit this portion with Christ, we need to be in Christ and to be contained in Christ, because only Christ um, can allow us a part of this portion and if we place ourselves in, in, in Christ we will inherit this portion and it's very important uh, for us to study the strategic teaching the definitions so that we know what it is to know what it what it is meant for what price we we have to pay and then of course the reward that we will receive and for this purpose Just as in studying our portion and the previous names of God called to be the portion of our salvation, we arrived at the need to study the following questions. And right now on Fridays, we are studying the price that we must pay. And we have already studied the first two prices. But today, I would like to remind us, and we will return to the definition of our inheritance in this name. Because in this definition, is contained the reward itself. Because defining our inherited portion, we see what it is. And Pastor has given us eight definition. It's very important to take all of them together and keep them together. We can't just take one one ingredient or say this is the main one for example when you are cooking you'll for example, if you take in borscht, what's the most important? Is it beets or is it cabbage? Now, you won't say that beets and cabbage are borscht, but there's a lot of ingredients. And in the Word of God and the inherited portion is contained many ingredients. The pastor has given us eight definitions of this name. And in these eight definitions, there's a lot that is hidden. It contains a lot of truths. And the more we begin to meditate upon this, the more the Holy Spirit will reveal to us. That's why it says, oh, the abundant are the mercies and Visions of God. I am simply satisfied in this inheritance. While we had these 14 months of isolation, I tried to meditate and learn the definitions purposes, the prices, and when you proclaim. Because all of this we must do, not just to come and say it in cell group, not just to pray with someone, but all of this we do in Thanksgiving to God. That's why we are taught how to pray. This is our prayer. We can't come to God with our own words. When we begin to thank God, Thanksgiving opens the key to the inheritance. And we begin to thank for this inheritance. How will we thank God if we don't know it? That's why, of course, we need to study. And today we will simply be reminded. you, I know you know all of this, but um, reminders are are good lessons. As I know, I've heard many testimonies during these 14 months, very many testimonies. This was pleasant to hear that we heard the sermons that we've already listened to during these months, but it's as if it was being open to us brand new. People said me and my family were able to testify that. It's as if... Um, It's as if that these sermons that we have already previously heard, we've never heard of them before because they're revealed to us much deeper. And that's why today would like for us to remember this inherited portion, the name of God, Rock of Israel. And as Pastor always tells us and reminds us, we will remember that only the person who desires to hear the Word of God, who looks at this Word, who lives according to this Word and who dwells in this Word and the Word of God dwells in Him, will be able to stand in this last battle. Inheritance. It means that very many people live in this world. I'm talking about the Christian realm. They don't even know that they have this unique, rich inheritance. They don't even know about it. And in Scripture, talks about that these people are foolish. And wisdom calls them and says, "How are you? How long are you foolish going to love foolishness?" No one has told them. It's not that no one has. not told them the truth, but they don't love it. Foolishness. How long will foolishness love foolishness? And how long will the unwise hate knowledge? They hate knowledge. They are, uh, you have entered into this peace, entered to the rest, and someone comes and throws a doubt and everything is is turned upside down for you. Perhaps this is, uh, then this peace is lost for these unwise people. That's why it's very important to dwell in this word and to dwell in this inheritance. There are people who have found out about their inheritance, but they don't know how to apply it. Because in this inheritance, when we have a definition of it. Again, today we're going to look at eight definitions of the name of God, Rock of Israel. But there's also a purpose of it. And we need to know why this portion exists. There is a portion for uh, the name strength, rock, deliverer. This is our inherited portion. And there is a certain um, purpose for all of it. For example, there's ships and boats and cars, they all have their purpose. We'll say that this is a method of transportation. But if we look, if we use it not according to its purpose, and if we use not according to their purpose the names of God, we will endure shipwreck in faith and we won't meet our goal. We won't be able to grab hold of our inherited portion. But there are also people who are lazy. They don't want to pay the price. Do you remember that parable that Christ had said, saying that, uh, you deceiving and lazy servant, you knew that the silver that I have given you, you had to place it into circulation. Today we are given the silver of salvation. We are given the seed that we must then sow. We must pay a price. And the price to place it into circulation, we know, is to die to our nation. Our household and our corrupt desires to ourselves. And that's why let's remember our inherited portion in the name of God, Rock of Israel. And the first portion in the name of God, Rock of Israel, is defined as righteousness that rules in the fear of the Lord. Second Samuel chapter twenty three verses one through three. Now these are the last words of David. Thus says David, the son of Jesse, thus says the man raised up on high. The anointed of the God of Jacob in the sweet psalmist of Israel, the Spirit of the Lord spoke by me, and his word was on my tongue. The God of Israel said, The rock of Israel spoke to me, He who rules over men must be just, ruling in the fear of the Lord. Righteousness ruling in the fear of the Lord. Righteousness is the kingdom of God. In other words, we know that the kingdom of God is not eating and drinking, but righteousness, peace, and joy in the Holy Spirit. Righteousness is one of the components of the kingdom of heaven, and it must rule in the fear of the Lord. And all of this we are studying not somewhere, we must look at it in our hearts, in ourselves. When studying our inherited portion in the name of God, Rock of Israel, we are studying these powers in our heart and in the proclamation of our lips. If we do not, we will move forward in an unfaithful direction. We will pass by the goal and we won't be able to grab onto our inherited portion. We always remember in our heart and the proclamation of our lips, so in prayer before God. The first phrase, the Spirit of the Lord spoke by me and His word was on my tongue, the God of Israel, the Rock of Israel spoke to me, tells us that this proclamation contains and defines itself in the powers of their inherited portion in the name of God, Rock of Israel. These words David had spoken when uh, before he had left this earth. At the end of his life, this proclamation, spoken under inspiration from the Holy Spirit living in David's heart as the Lord and ruler of his life, is the fruit of righteousness grown in his spirit and discovering itself in the faith of God that dwells in his heart. In the faith of God, as we know, this is obedience, our obedience to the words that we hear from the anointed man of the Lord the fruit of righteousness third in the proclamation of the faith of God revealing in the heart of David the powers of the inherited portion in the name of God's rock of Israel rules in the heart in the boundaries of the fear of the Lord and the boundaries of the fear of the Lord are yielded as the word of God that comes from the lips of God in the dignity of the commandments of God that are the wisdom of God and an answer an answer for his justice the fear of the Lord in fulfilling the commandments of the Lord that yield God's justice, open the doors to the uncharted inheritance of Christ, and impart the powers of the inherited portion in the name of God, Rock of Israel. The inherited portion in the name of God, Rock of Israel, is focused on the fact that with the powers of the fear of the Lord, we can inherit our body through the redemption of Christ, and thus be made perfect as our Heavenly Father is perfect. This is one of the examples, when one, one of the components of the inherited portion in the name of God, Rock of Israel, finds itself in another component, in the name of God, fear. We know that in all of these eight names of God, we have 50 names of God. And when we are immersed and when we meditate upon them and we thank God for them in prayer, God will reveal to us and He reveals it to us and He immerses us into this inheritance. And this is; uh, these are our riches. Right now we are studying uh, Asher. This is on the breastplate of judgment that the high priest had. And this is an image of our conscience that is cleansed from dead works. And we... Build out of our conscience uh, this breastplate of judgment, and we're studying these names of the patriarchs that are there, as well as the names of God. We are currently studying the name of God Most High. Why we have come? That's why we've come to this psalm, and the blessing that was given to Asher. It's written that the riches, your riches, will be multiplied as your days. And this riches of faith that we are currently studying. So our priorities are going to be changed when our riches become this word of God. And that inherited portion that we have in this word. I I consider myself that I am the most joyful person, happy person on the earth, and there's no one happier than me. And I hope that you all can say this too, because you all have this inheritance as well. Isaiah 33 verses 5 through 6 The Lord is exalted, for he dwells on high. He has filled Zion with justice and righteousness. Wisdom and knowledge will be the stability of your times, and the strength of salvation, the fear of the Lord, is his treasure. If a person does not have in his heart the fear of the Lord, that is, the carrier and fulfiller of the commandments of the Lord, that are yielded by the reigning teaching of Christ and the Holy Spirit, who reveals the meaning of the teaching of Christ in each commandment, he cannot become a part of the inherited portion in the name of God, Rock of Israel. We should know that the fear of the Lord in our heart is one of the virtues and properties on which will depend, in the literal sense, our present and our future. Being filled with the fear of the Lord and its strength and dynamics is akin to being filled with the Holy Spirit and is inconceivable without the help of the Holy Spirit. And in Hebrew, the phrase to be filled with the fear of the Lord means be led by the fear of the Lord, be dependent on the fear of the Lord, to bind yourself to the fear of the Lord, act in the fear of the Lord, live according to the fear of the Lord, rejoice in the fear of the Lord, and worship in the fear of the Lord. By its nature, the fear of the Lord is completely different from human fear. We know that the human fear is what? It deprives a person of uh, the ability to reason or to make some kind of judgment. The fear of the Lord, on the contrary, gives a person wisdom and the authority to judge and enforce the judgments of God, which God has spoken of and sealed in His Word. To walk in the fear of the Lord means to walk in the law of the grace of God by faith, and faith that is not dependent on the law of Moses. Whereas, in true faith, which contains the fear of the Lord, man was called to be justified by the works of God, which he performed in redeeming grace through the death and resurrection of his Son, Jesus Christ. Infants in Christ cannot live and walk by faith that is the fear of the Lord because their spiritual organ and the subject of their reproductive organ has not matured yet. By virtue of this, they cannot be fertilized with the seed of the fear of the Lord through the preached word of faith. The faith of their heart is not yet matured, and therefore they are led not by faith of the heart, but by their intellect and their feelings. And we know that this is very dangerous. For an infant or for for a certain category of people, this is fine to go through infancy, right? But when it comes time to leave infancy and a person does not want to, then this turns for him into into destruction and it's very dangerous for him. Considering the fact that carnal people cannot be filled with the fear of the Lord, uh, the fear of the Lord is a set of spiritual truths that can be accepted and comprehended not otherwise than by the heart of a person who has grown in the fullness of God. We're talking about the first component of the definition that the fear of the Lord is righteousness, righteousness ruling in the fear of the Lord in our heart. And when it is going to rule this righteousness, this fruit of righteousness that we have offered, we accept this truth from this place upon which which we hear the words of our pastor, which the Holy Spirit reveals to us through him. We accept them into our heart. And then we will come to God and we thank him for it. And this becomes what we have achieved. To summarize, the fear of the Lord is called to test us through the law of Moses and make us able to overcome sin. This grace of God, contained in the images of the law of Moses, guides us to Christ. The second portion in the dignity of the name of God, Rock of Israel, in the heart of a disciple of Christ, I like the Pastor always highlights that this is in the heart. This portion is found in our heart, the heart of a disciple of Christ. It's defined in the dignity of our great origin, which partakes us to Zion, which we know is the height of beauty, power, and strength in which God dwells. Oh, simply to just think about this, I come to astonishment because I know that I have entered into this inheritance. We are defining, but in this definition, as I have said, this already is that reward and that uh, reward that we can look upon so that we can pay the necessary price that will be offered to us that we are currently studying to listen to the commandments of the Lord so that we can exit out of Babylon and so forth. This is very important for us to continually look upon this inherited portion that is contained in the names of God Most High. Second, this dignity we can look at all of us look to all of us and say Lord I thank you for the origin of my high calling that partakes me to Zion I am a part of Zion How wonderful is this Zion which is the height of beauty power and strength in which God dwells Listen to me, you who follow after righteousness, you who seek the Lord. Look to the rock from which you were hewn and to the hole of the pit from which you were dug. Look to Abraham your father and to Sarah who bore you, for I called him alone and blessed him and increased him. For the Lord will comfort Zion, he will comfort all her waste places. He will make her wilderness like Eden and her desert like the garden of the Lord. Joy and gladness will be found in it, thanksgiving and the voice of melody. This wonderful place of scripture, the phrase, From this place of scripture, for the Lord will comfort Zion. He will comfort all her waste places. He will make her wilderness like Eden and her desert like the garden of the Lord. Joy and gladness will be found in it. Thanksgiving and the voice of Melody is the result that the category of people who are hewn out of the rock of Israel will inherit. In other words, people who are hewn out of the rock of Israel is evidence of who we are to God, which makes us a living definition of the portion in the name of God, rock of Israel. This is the living rock. Whereas the phrase, look to the hole of the pit from which you were dug, tells us what God has done so that we can be carriers of the portion of the name of God, Rock of Israel. However, in order to inherit all that God has done for us, and thus define the essence of the portion contained in the name of God, Rock of Israel, and become living carriers of this portion, it is necessary for us to look at and fulfill a few components or conditions that are presented in this place of Scripture to submit to God or to submit your faith to the faith of God in the words of the messenger of God second, to demonstrate in our faith our strive toward righteousness preached by the carriers of righteousness who are the messengers of God third, we must search for the Lord when we can find Him and call upon Him when He is near fourth, we must look at the rock from which we were hewn and the depth of the pit which we were brought out And we know that the rock is Christ and the depth of the pit is the death of the Lord in which we were immersed and had dwelled there and God takes us from this death so that we can live in His resurrection. Next, we must look to Abraham our father and Sarah who had given birth to us just as God had called him alone, blessed him and increased him. And the next we must have evidence of our organized partaking to Zion, to whom is entrusted the promise that lies in the name of God, Rock of Israel. It should be borne in mind that these six components are in wonderful balance in relation to each other, because they come from one another, find themselves in each other, support each other and identify the truth of each other. They identify that this is the truth because it is one in one, just like the teaching of Jesus Christ who came in the flesh. We can't take one teaching. All of it is in one. It is one and the other. It is intertwined. And the resurrection is the result of death. When we keep a remembrance that we have taken off the old man, this is resurrection, but the resurrection without death is impossible. Resurrection is the result of death. Just like here, all of these components are of one. Let us take a look at these conditions that we must inherit. God is the rock of Israel and the dignity of Zion. It points to the fact that God is the rock to the house of Israel, which we know as warriors of prayer. Because the name Israel means warrior of a prayer or a person giving God the right to pray with man and pray for man in order to deliver him from the corrupt desires of his soul. And so the first reason why Zion, representing warriors of prayer, was left in ruins was because God was intended to destroy the power of death in our bodies. These ruins, these ruins from this destruction, the destruction of the power of death. And God will comfort Zion, the ruins of Zion. So after we take off our old man, or after the power of death will be destroyed, only then in this place, we always know, so that upon this place, we can lift up the power of life. The second reason why Zion, representing warriors of prayer, was left in ruins is because in the dimension of time among Zion, who represents God's chosen remnant in the dignity of a warrior of prayer, dwelled sinners, just as tares are found among wheat up until a certain time. And we need to be sanctified, and we can't run away from this, and we need to be separated from certain people up until a certain time. Perhaps a while God fulfills this judgment and will take out these tares, gather them, burn them. So certain people will see themselves and, and repent. They are infants as we often hear. They're good infants, and we need to stoop down to their level because they're infants, they just they don't know their behavior there, it's difficult to define it. And while we are among here on this field, we pray for one another, we stoop down to the level of one another. At the same time, we hold ourselves in a certain uh, a certain state of sanctification so that we can dedicate ourselves to God. And so the first component giving God the foundation to comfort Zion, partakers of which we are, is to submit to God in the words of his messengers and demonstrate the submission of our faith to the faith of God. Come, you children, listen to me, I will teach you the fear of the Lord, who is the man who desires life and loves many days. That he may see good. Keep your tongue from evil and your lips from speaking deceit, depart from evil and do good, seek peace and pursue it. Psalms chapter thirty-four, verses eleven through fourteen. And one more place of scripture. And this is how we can give God the foundation to comfort us, because we are a part of this Zion. And for God to give us comfort, we need to be obedient, and we need to demonstrate submissiveness of our faith to the faith of God. We know that the faith of God, we already know fully well that the faith of God is... It is the Word of God, and our, and our faith is our obedience to the faith of God that come from this place in the pulpit. If we are told, go and do, and don't ask a lot of questions. When you t- tell a child, uh, a, a lot of times the child doesn't understand why he is asked to do this. If he is obedient, he is just going to do it, and he won't ask unnecessary questions, just like Isaac was. When he asked Abraham, his father, when they went He saw a wise. Where's the sacrifice He saw the fire, but where's the sacrifice? Abraham simply said, "God will provide," and just go on silently. And the son did not did not ask him what the sacrifice where the sacrifice is. When God speaks, His ways are not our ways. His thoughts are not our thoughts. We don't need to always try to understand why, who, what, where, when, why. Just obey, and we are going to be blessed. And it'll be easier for our pastor. I like John says that for me there is no greater joy than to hear and see that my children walk in the truth. I think that for every father this is very pleasant to see his children walking in the truth. 2 Chronicles, Second Chronicles, chapter 20, verse 20. So they rose early in the morning and went out in the wilderness of Tekoa. And as they went out, Jehoshaphat stood and said, Hear me, O Judah and your inhabitants of Jerusalem. Believe in the Lord your God and you shall be established. Believe his prophets and you shall prosper. All right, the second component, giving God the foundation to comfort Zion, partakers of which we are is to demonstrate in our faith our strive toward righteousness preached by the carriers of righteousness that are the messengers of God. To strive toward righteousness or to follow righteousness means to chase, to hunt. The meaning of this verb is to change our priorities and that which was previously an advantage for us should be considered futile or that which has lost all value and turned into rubbish, as we know Apostle Paul had done. But what things were gained to me, these I have counted loss for Christ. Yet indeed I also count all things lost for the excellence of the knowledge of Christ Jesus my Lord, for whom I have suffered the loss of all things and count them as rubbish, that I may gain Christ and be found in him, not having my own righteousness, which is from the law, but that which is through faith in Christ, the righteousness which is from God by faith, that I may know him and the power of his resurrection in the fellowship of His sufferings, being conformed to His death, if by any means I may attain to the resurrection from the dead. We sing a song. We should be humble. We should fight and give up our whole lives in order to inherit this unique portion in the name of God, Rock of Israel, so that we can take this name of God, Rock of Israel. We must pay the ultimate price. I am ready to do everything in order to... To achieve this, and to make the heart of my heavenly Father rejoice, the third component that gives God the right, the foundation to comfort us, Zion, it's necessary to search for the Lord when He can be found and call on Him when He is near. Isaiah chapter 55 verses 6 through 8: Seek the Lord while He may be found; call upon Him while He is near. Let the wicked forsake his way and the unrighteous man his thoughts. Let him return to the Lord and he will have mercy on him and to our God for he will abundantly pardon. For my thoughts are not your thoughts nor are your ways my ways, says the Lord. And we know that to call on the Lord is to place, to prepare our hearts to hearing the word of God. This is one of the meanings to call on the Lord. The fourth component giving God the foundation to comfort Zion is to look upon the rock from which we were hewn and the depths of the pit from which we were delivered. And we know that the pit from which we were delivered, um, the rock itself is Christ. And to look at that, that which we were taken from Christ. We are a part of Christ. So, in our essence, in my essence, and that's why I thank the Lord that I am human. Out of this rock, that's why in every cell of my body is his life. I have all of his dignities and virtues because I am a part of him. He has given birth to me, and I am taken out of the hewn out of this rock. And he wants this life to fulfill our whole, uh, our whole land, which are, is our body, and it comes from our spirit, our soul, our re- thinking is renewed, our uh, our mind, and then our body becomes in the likeness of Him. We have accepted this by faith, and very soon, this day will come when the resurrection of Christ will reign in our bodies and decay will be overcome and death will be overcome because God is vigilant over His Word so that it may be fulfilled. Not one of His Word will remain unpowerful. The fifth component, giving God the foundation to comfort Zion, is to look to Abraham, our father, and Sarah, who gave birth to us, and to look at uh, look at it, how God has called them. When I had always looked at this, I had always missed missed this because I always looked at how he had believed in God. He didn't look at uh, his his body was 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 older and decaying, we need to look at how God called him. And here it's a very important pastor has shown us, has shown us this place that I will read. Genesis chapter 12, verses 1 through 5. Now the Lord had said to Abram, get out of your country from your family and from your father's house to a land that I will show you. Here we see what he did. God tells him, leave your household, your family, your country, and go to the land that I will show you. This is very important. If our father Abraham can do this, we are his children, we can do the same thing. And we have done this according to the mercy of God. I will make you a great nation. I will bless you and make your name great, and you shall be a blessing. I will bless those who bless you, and I will curse him who curses you. And in you, all the families of the earth shall be blessed. We can turn this to ourselves. If we have left our house, we have died to our nation, our household, and our corrupt desires, God says, I bless you. And he who will curse you or who approaches you will be cursed. That's why we must not fear anything. We have entered into such an inheritance that we have no fear because we have the fear of the Lord and we know that not weapon can be turned against us nothing can overcome us nothing can take us from our place because we are already blessed in Christ Jesus because this blessing of Abraham belongs to us as well and in you all the families of the earth shall be blessed so Abraham departed as the Lord had spoken to him, and Lot went with him, and Abraham was 75 years old when he departed from Haran. Then Abraham took Sarai his wife, and Lot his brother's son, and all their possessions that they had gathered, and the people whom they had acquired in Haran. And they departed to go to the land of Canaan, so they came to the land of Canaan. To come to the land of Canaan is to come to the promise of the adoption of our body through the redemption of Christ. The sixth component giving God the foundation to comfort Zion, partakers of which we are, is to have evidence of our partaken partaking to Zion, to whom the promise is offered in the dignity of the portion of the name of God, Rock of Israel. And if we have in our heart evidence of these six components that we have just mentioned, we are living carriers of the portion contained In the name of God, Rock of Israel. Alright, we've talked about two components. It's good to remember them so that we can thank God for them in prayer. So the first one was righteousness ruling in the fear of the Lord. The second one was our dignity of our high origin, which partakes us to Zion. This is a wonderful inheritance that we have. The next component, the portion in the name of God, Rock of Israel, in the heart of a disciple of Christ, defines itself in the clefts of the rock, in the secret places of the cliff. Again, we're defining, we have eight definitions definitions of this name of God, Rock of Israel. O my dove, in the clefts of the rock, in the secret places of the cliff, let me see your face, let me hear your voice, for your voice is sweet and your face is lovely. Songs of Solomon, chapter 2, verse 14. The phrase, O my dove, in the clefts of the rock, is addressed by the beloved in the face of the Lord Jesus, to his beloved who is known as the most beautiful of women in the face of his bride. The fact that in this allegory, or in this proverb, the Lord, as the Beloved, refers to His Beloved Bride as a dove, suggests that His Beloved is endowed with the nature of the Holy Spirit. Because the Holy Spirit is, we know, an image of a dove. And the dove, she has these components. We will take a look at these components, what it does and why she is called a dove why God calls us His doves. The phrase, let me see your face, let me hear your voice, for your voice is sweet and your face is lovely, affirms in the dove that special and unique nature of the Holy Spirit. And we will study several question the first question what unique property clothes the beloved in the dignity of a dove and makes her look like the holy spirit and to understand The unique property of the Beloved in the dignity of a Dove, we will need to recall the essence and role of God the Holy Spirit in His interaction with God the Father and with God the Son. Despite the fact that God the Holy Spirit has the same power and the same crushing force as God the Father and God the Son, and between them absolute harmony reigns, as well as complete dependence and absolute love, there is a unique property inherent only to God the Holy Spirit. This is a complete lack of ability to protect one's own interests. He has a full lack of the ability to protect his own interests and the complete lack of ability to take personal fame. These two dignities make the dove a dove. They make her in the likeness of the Holy Spirit. She does not protect her own interests, and does not accept fame. It follows that the beloved in the dignity of a dove is not able to protect her own interests, and in protecting her interests, she fully relies on the mercy of the beloved. And we know that if we rely on the mercy of the beloved, he is always going to protect us. And furthermore, the beloved in the dignity of a dove is not able to accept and protect the interests of, interest of personal glory, but is able to protect the glory of her beloved. So when Christ is in us, we represent Him and we are carriers of His glory. Revelation chapter 4 verses 9 through 11. (laughs) Whenever the living creatures give glory and honor and thanks to him who sits on the throne, who lives forever and ever, the 24 elders fall down before him who sits on the throne and worship him who lives forever and ever, and cast their crowns before the throne, saying, You are worthy, O Lord, to receive glory and honor and power. For you created all things, and by your will they exist and were created. Moreover, as the communion of God the Father and God the Son takes place to the God the Holy Spirit and in the Holy Spirit, the final fulfillment of the will of the Heavenly Father and God the Son belongs exclusively to the role of God the Holy Spirit. It follows that the final fulfillment of the will of the Heavenly Father and God the Son belongs exclusively to the role of the Beloved, clothed in the power of the Holy Spirit or in the dignity of a dove The role of God the Father is that He is responsible for the designs that are in His depths. He gives birth to His thoughts. That's the role of God. The role of the Son, Christ, is that He is responsible for translating His Father's intentions into the Word. So God is the thought, and Christ is the Word. He speaks this Word. But the fulfiller of the Word is the Holy Spirit. Who now is with us, He is in us. And that's why in the power of the Holy Spirit, we are able to fulfill all of His intentions and all of His words, penetrating into the thoughts of God that He reveals only to His messengers. And they can pass it along to us. And we can fulfill them by the power of the Holy Spirit. From the role of the Holy Spirit it follows that the role of the Beloved clothed in the power of the Holy Spirit or in the dignity of a dove is to confess the thought of God the Father expressed in the word of the Son of God by proclaiming the faith of the heart. So we are given to fulfill the will of the Father. That's why He has given birth to us and it's necessary for us to use our pure meek lips and to begin to proclaim the faith of her heart for a long time I was quiet I found some kind of joy in this and sometimes I asked pastor I said is this fine I can all day long meditate but but I don't speak a lot he said this is fine he said at that level for me that was fine I understand that now I had learned all of these principles. I can learn them, and I can go and walk and meditate. And I was immersed in this, and the time came. And God is waiting for us to speak. This is very important for us to speak, because the last instance is to speak, to proclaim that faith that is in our heart. At first, we needed to live, to meditate, and then to proclaim. We should pay attention to the property of God, the Holy Spirit, in the ability to uh, not protect Himself from the de- from the neglect of man. Genesis chapter one, verses one through three. When the people began to uh, to multiply on the earth, then the sons of God saw that the daughters of man were beautiful, and they take- took them as wives as they chose. And the Lord said. Let their days be numbered. We know, just as God has protected the Holy Spirit, He said, "It's not forever that my spirit should be uh, that should be neglected." God will protect us as well. Sometimes He tests our faithfulness, and we, having the Holy Spirit, have the ability to remain faithful and firm. So, the second question. Which character has the place in which the Beloved is hidden in the dignity of a dove? My dove, show me your face and allow me to see your voice because your voice is sweet and your face is lovely. The place in which the Beloved dwells in the dignity of a dove represents the portion in the name of God, Rock of Israel. This is Christ dwelling in her and her dwelling in Christ. And I Think that we already know this and are continually dwelling in it I simply when I wake up in my mind I can proclaim and then when I'm driving to work again I will thank God for those components about who I am in Christ and who Christ is in me this brings me joy and I know first and foremost this brings joy to my Heavenly Father when He looks and sees who He has given birth to me so I can fulfill this calling. And I won't repeat this now, because we know this fully well, who we are in Christ and who Christ is in us. Now is a third component of our portion. In the name of God, Rock of Israel, This is the cleft of the rock in the secret places. This is me in Christ and I in Christ. Why the voice of the dove is lovelier? What criteria defines the sweetness of her voice and the loveliness of her face in the eyes of the beloved? The image of the dove that represents the face that is lovely and the voice that is sweet embodies a person from every person who fears God and acts according to his righteousness. Acts chapter 10 verses 34 through 36 Then Peter opened his mouth and said In truth I perceive that God shows no partiality but in every nation whoever fears him and works righteousness is accepted by him. This is the kind of face that is pleasing to him. It is lovely to him, the one that has the fear of the Lord and acts according to righteousness. So, when we have the Holy Spirit, we will be pleasing to God in that we will fear Him and work the righteousness. If a person fears God and acts according to the righteousness of God, this means that the righteousness of God dwells in him and he dwells in righteousness. And the face of this kind of person will always uh, be pleasing to God. And the sweetness of the voice of the dove is comprised of the proclamation of the grace of God that has reigned in her heart through the fruit of righteousness. So that as sin reigned in death, even so grace might reign through righteousness to eternal life through Jesus Christ our Lord. Romans chapter 5, verse 21. To summarize this component, the dove that dwells in the In the cleft of the rock She is a part of the portion In the name of God Rock of Israel And only having discovered her By way of searching And having become organized Part of it Our heart becomes a portion In the name of God Rock of Israel He who finds a wife Finds a good thing And obtains favor from the Lord right, The fourth portion In the name of God Rock of Israel in the heart of a disciple of Christ defines itself in building our dwelling on the crag of the rock. Job chapter 39 verses 27-30 to Does the eagle mount up at your command and make its nest on high? On the rock it dwells and resides, on the crag of the rock in the stronghold. From there it spies out the prey, its eyes observe from afar, its young ones suck up blood, and where the slain are, there it is. According to the question asked to Job, does the eagle mount up at your command and make its nest on high. It follows that the eagle which, according to the command of the Lord, makes its nest on high on the rock and dwells on the crag of the rock, is referring to a righteous person who receives the preached word of the messengers of God into a into the heart through the revelation of the messenger of God. Isaiah chapter 33 verses 15 through 16. He who walks righteously and speaks uprightly, he who despises the gain of oppressions, who gestures with his hands, refusing brides, who stops his ears from hearing of bloodshed, and shuts his eyes from seeing evil. He will dwell on high, his place of defense. Be the fortress of rocks, bread will be given him, his water will be sure. And we will, uh, we have heard this and we will continue to hear this on Fridays about this wonderful who and how we can dwell in this devouring fire upon this heights. To dwell on high means to be separated from thoughts of the flesh and meditate on thoughts of heaven. And we know that these thoughts, the thoughts about heavenly things, they lead to life, and thoughts of the flesh, they lead to death. Simply put, for those who live according to the flesh set their minds on things of the flesh, but those who live according to the Spirit the things of the Spirit. For to be carnally minded is death, but to be spiritually minded is life and peace. Proverbs 18.11 His bread will be given him means that the righteous man observe his feet when he goes into the house of God and is ready to hear the word of God rather than to give the sacrifice of fools. Ecclesiastes 5.1 Walk prudently when you go to the house of God and draw near to hear rather than to give the sacrifice of fools for they do not know that they do evil. The preached word that we hear from this place is that wonderful bread that God gives us. His water will be sure means that a desiring heart that has accepted the Holy Spirit as the Lord and ruler of His heart was made a vessel out of which flow rivers of living water. John chapter 7 verses 37-39 to On the last day, that great day of the feast, Jesus stood and cried out, saying, If anyone thirsts, let him come to me and drink. He who believes in me, as the scripture has said, out of his heart will flow rivers of living water. But this he spoke concerning the Spirit, whom those believing in him would receive. For the Holy Spirit was not yet given, because Jesus was not yet glorified. But we know that we already have the Holy Spirit. And from out of our heart flow these rivers of living water. And we are able to uh, to feed from it and that we are called to the proclamation of our faith. After we hear this word, we then come to God, and we thank Him for this word, and we begin to thank Him. This is that water that fills us again. That's why we must keep our heart, because out of it flow the rivers of life. The phrase, who stops his ears from hearing of bloodshed and shuts his eyes from seeing evil, points to the kind of promise that is found at the door of our hope, preceding a meeting with the Lord in the air, which is a guarantee of meeting with the Lord in the clouds. If we have accepted this promise, this is a guarantee that we are going to be raptured. And it is contained in our uh, our death to sin and life in God. We always carry the death of the Lord Jesus in our body so that the life of Jesus can be revealed. And how do we do this? We do it by considering ourselves dead to sin and alive to God. Each time we fall, we can get back up and we can consider. This doesn't mean uh, that we are so, but while we are here in this earthly body and until the reign of the resurrection of Christ is in our bodies, we have this danger of falling and we have this um self-pride that the next step is going to be to fall that's why we always walk in humility and always remember and rely on the mercy of god the phrase it's young ones suck up blood And where the slain are, there it is, points to the proclamation of the faith of the heart of a righteous person. The proclamation of the faith of the heart of a righteous person is comprised of the fact that he considers himself dead to sin and alive to God and living in his terrestrial body calls the inexistent heavenly body as existent. We can already thank God for this wonderful body that we have. We thank God for His life that is found in us. It is this kind of death to sin that gives God the basis to adopt our body through the redemption of Christ in order to prepare us to meet with the Lord in the clouds. Romans chapter 6, verses 3 through 14. I won't read it all, Or do you not know that as many of us as were baptized into Christ Jesus were baptized into His death? Here a question is asked, do you not know? We know. The knowledge, knowledge of the faith and from information. We know that all of us who are baptized into Christ Jesus were baptized into his death. Therefore, we were buried with him through baptism into death. That just as Christ was raised from the dead by the glory of the Father, even so we could walk in the newness of life already here and now, considering ourselves dead to sin and alive to God. A pastor says it again and again, and he is going to continue to remind us so that we do not pay attention to our feelings, our emotions, but so that we can lead our emotions if we are capable as an eagle through the proclamation of the faith of our heart rise up to the word of the Lord on the rock the living rock and dwell on the crag of this rock so to dwell there continually in our thoughts and to think about this then this ability defines in our heart our partaking to the name of God rock of Israel and this is one of the components we must take all the components the fifth portion contained the name of God, Rock of Israel, in the heart of a disciple of Christ is defined as the dwelling of God known as Zion. Psalm sixty one verses one through four to the chief musician on a stringed instrument of Psalm of David Hear my cry, O God, attend to my prayer. From the end of the earth I will cry to you when my heart is overwhelmed. Lead me to the rock that is higher than I. For you have been a shelter for me, a strong tower from the enemy. I will abide in your tabernacle forever. I will trust in the shelter of your wings. The phrase, to the chief musician on a stringed instrument, Psalm of David, tells us that this prayer song accompanied on a stringed instrument is addressed to the chief musician. In part, we already know that the image of the chief musician is the Holy Spirit, called by God to build our prayer. So the choir is our church, and the stringed instrument is our new man. And these three components we must always have. The union of these three sovereign instances will immediately uh, will make our prayer legitimate, because it's... It determines the essence of our altar on which we intend to present ourselves as a living, holy, and pleasing sacrifice. The union of these three sovereign parties is a testament. So again, the three parties, the Holy Spirit, who is uh, the musician, the choir, the church, and me, a part of this church. This is evidence that we have accepted the Holy Spirit as the Lord and ruler of our lives and are led by the Holy Spirit. And one more... um, The union of these three sovereign parties is a testament to the fact that we are partakers to the dignity of a dove, represented by the remnant chosen by God. And so, thanks to the right, Uh, or only having the right to the promise of the inheritance in the name of God, Rock of Israel, we can pray from the ends of the earth about how God will bring us to the rock which is beyond our reach. The phrase, hear my cry, O God, attend to my prayer. From the end of the earth I will cry to you. When my heart is overwhelmed, lead me to the rock that is higher than I, is a just prayer that coincides with the requirements of the perfect will of God. That's why we can take these prayer words from Psalms and come to God and pray with these words this is going to be a fulfillment of the perfect will of God. And of course, when we have accepted and we accept these revelations and these knowledges, from here we see what this means and then we understand. Uh, We take these words that we understand and this is the correct prayer. To be led to the rock that is higher than we are is a component of our calling without which we cannot give God the basis to adopt our body through the redemption of Christ before we are raptured to meet the Lord in the air. In this case, special attention should be paid to the nature of this prayer that is accompanied by a cry, which indicates the fact that before we are led to the rock that is higher than we are, but according to the mercy of God, and with the power of the Holy Spirit, He leads us up to this rock. Um, before we will brought up on it, we will be found in difficult circumstances, about which David put it this way: "From the end of the earth, I will cry to You." From the end of the earth means the limits of the earth which should be viewed as our terrestrial body created from the earth. It is the realization of this reality that caused the cry of prayer and David's desire to free himself from the dependence on his terrestrial body by looking to the rock that was higher than he was. So remaining in this uh, terrestrial body or this decaying body, we can already rejoice And we already rejoice, having accepted this promise regarding the adoption of our body, having accepted this promise regarding victory over reigning sin, we can already rejoice and be upon this rock. And we know that a person using his own forces, using all his rational and volitional capabilities, including fasting and prayer, can never give God a reason to put Him on the rock that is higher than He is. Only the mercy of God and trust in this mercy can lead us upon this rock that is higher than we are. And it's necessary for our prayer to flow in the Spirit and to meet the requirements of truth. And that's why a pastor diligently gives us these truths and then asks for us to again affirm them. Right now I am reading the notes and I hope I am not adding on more to it than needed. I want to affirm those words that we have already heard, that we have accepted. And all that we need to do is affirm them because all this time, and again when you re-listen to the sermons, I immediately hear new sides, new truths, new angles, and I will read it gladly again. Sometimes people say it's kind of difficult, can you say it with your own words? But with your own verbs, it's impossible to pass it along. You just listen to it again and, listen and read it again, uh, dive yourselves deeper in it, because in these words, these notes are contained such a wisdom that I, with my own words, cannot pass it along to you. I can just testify that I am very happy and grateful that situation that we had previously had. I always say, the Lord has already done in me and with me more than I could have ever thought. He has already done it for me. And remember, we had a manifestation previously that you should make, fulfill for me more more than what we ask for, I can testify that He has done this in me and in my heart, and I rejoice and I abide and dwell on these high places. Let's go on further. To summarize, the name of God, Rock of Israel, is a dwelling of God in which a person can hide under the shadow of the wings of God the dignity of the me, representing the truth of the reigning teaching of Christ in our heart, in a reem representing the Holy Spirit who reveals this truth in the heart. The sixth portion in the dignity of the name of God, Rock of Israel, in the heart of a disciple of Christ, defines itself as the place of the glory of the Lord. Exodus chapter 3, 33, verses 18-23, through 23. Moses said, Please show me your glory. And he said, I will make all my glory pass before you, and I will proclaim the name of the Lord before you. I will be gracious to whom I will be gracious, and I will have compassion on whom I will have compassion. But he said, You cannot see my face, for no man shall see me and live. And the Lord said, Here is a place by me, and you shall stand on the rock. So it shall be while my glory passes by that I will put you in the cleft of the rock and will cover you with my hand while I pass by, that I will take away my hand and you shall see my back, but my face shall not be seen. Exodus chapter thirty-three, verses eighteen through twenty-three. Based on the existing dialogue of Moses with God, a place where the glory of the Lord is absent, cannot be our inherited portion in the name of God, the rock of Israel. And the Lord said, I will make all my goodness pass before you, and I will proclaim the name of the Lord before you. I will be gracious to whom I will be gracious, and I will have compassion on whom I will have compassion. This points to the fact that the glory of the Lord comes from the face of the Lord, just like the rays of the sun come from the sun. We can um, feel the warmness, but we can't see the sun itself. That's why a person cannot see God and remain alive. The cleft of the rock on which God dwelled with all His glory is a gorge in the form of a deep crack formed in the rock, dividing the rock into two parts. The image of such a cleft dividing the rock into two parts is the curtain of the temple torn into two, separating the Holy from the Holy of Holies during the crucifixion of Christ, indicating the broken body of Christ for the sins of the remnant chosen by Him. The broken body of Christ. This veil represented the free entrance into the holy of holies, and through the death of the Lord Jesus, we today—that we have today—we have a living and true path that is lead us to the holy of holies, where we can see the glory of the Lord and dwell in it, and live in this temple the category or the chosen remnants of God which enter the sanctuary by a new and living way through their boldness led by the apostles become such a cleft itself in the dignity of a new and living path to God for those who seek God. So we become this portion and as pastor often says we will become the true light when we will be immersed into this death, when we will be immersed into the death of the Lord Jesus and will carry His death. People will see this. We won't need to tell them to run to preach because they themselves will come to us. And I know uh, I've heard many uh, testimonies people from the side ask or are interested, why do you react not like everyone else? Why do you have such peace? Around you, there is such going on. What do you have? What do you know that we don't know? They won't understand. How, Whatever you may tell them, because they don't have the truth. Their truth is temporary. Today, for them, this is truth. Tomorrow, it isn't. Today, this is true. Tomorrow, it's not. That's why pastor says, from this place, from this pulpit, from the ark of God, go the truth, true and correct words that give us life. And this life and this truth never changes. His words are never changing. He is unchanging in His word. Okay, the seventh component of our portion, in the name of God, Rock of Israel, in the heart of a disciple of Christ, defines itself in the rock that pours out rivers of oil. Job chapter 29, verses 1 through 6. Job further continued his discourse and said, Oh, that I were as in months past, as in the days when God watched over me, when His lamp shone upon my head, and when by His light I walked through darkness, just as I was in the days of my prime, when the mercy of God was over my tent, when the Almighty was yet with me, when my children were around me, when my steps were bathed with milk, and the rock poured out rivers of oil for me. In this allegory, the rock which pours out rivers of oil for us includes seven unique components that have a wonderful balance between them as they are dissolved in each other, find themselves in each other, and identify the truth of each other. The absence of at least one component will mean that all other components are fakes and that God does not protect us but keeps us for retribution. They must all be in complete balance to one another. the lamp of the Lord over my head, by the light of the Lord we walk through darkness, the mercy of God over my tent, the Almighty is with me, my children are around me, my steps are bathed with milk, and the rock pours out rivers of oil for me. I really liked the rock pours out rivers of oil for me because this tells us about the cooperation of my lips with the lips of God. I was astonished when I had heard this. There was a union When we talk about, but this is, this cooperation, there is, we talked about, there is cooperation, here it talks about the union of my lips and the lips of God. My lips speak only that which God says. We will quickly look at these seven components, the lamp of the Lord over our head. is the revelation of the word of God in my heart. Your word. Psalms 180, verse 105, the walk in the light of the Lord through darkness is referring to the revelation of the words of the Lord in our heart. The Lamb of the Lord that shines upon our head, we are referring to the union and cooperation of our spirit with the authority of the word of the person established over us by God. Again, I will read it. The lamp of the Lord that shines upon our head. We are referring to the union and cooperation of our spirit with the authority of the word of the person established over us by God from this place, from this pulpit, from the anointed man of the Lord. Because we know that the lamp of Israel was David. He was anointed by God. Remember when he came to war and he was almost killed and he was told, you shall, not, you shall not go to war with us so that the lamp shall not dim. The anointed man of the Lord is our lamp. This is also our spirit, the spirit of a person. The lamp is also a spirit of a person that tests the inner depths of his heart. This is only in that case when we have the lamp in the face of a person, our pastor. Our walk in the light of the Lord through darkness is referring to the revelation of the words of the Lord in our heart. Your word is a lamp to my feet and a light to my path. The mercy of God over our tent. We are referring to the shadow of the Almighty and secret place of the Most High in the face of the person clothed by the Holy Spirit in the dignity of the fatherhood of God. He who dwells in the secret place of the Most High shall abide under the shadow of the Almighty. I will say of the Lord, He is my refuge and my fortress, my God, in Him I will trust. Why should we say to God, why should we talk to God? He sees my heart, but it says we must say of the Lord, we must tell God who He is for us. This isn't to boast in front of one another. I know, do you want me to tell you who I am in Christ? No, this is so that in our prayer for us to correctly pray before God, because only the proclamation of our lips and prayer before God, when we thank God for this, this brings this to fulfillment. My children are around me. This is the fruit of the Spirit dwelling in our heart and the didn't of the promises of God. God wants our hearts to be a treasury of His promises. We have heard that many people in their heart, it's a grave site of all the promises. And they're waiting for them to be resurrected when they will die on this earth and they will resurrect and they will resurrect all their promises. But we've heard that those promises, they must resurrect here on earth in our, bo- in our hearts. That's why we need all these promises to resurrect now. And we thank God. God reveals this inherited portion for us, this promise that we must place in our heart and our heart becomes this promise and then we receive the promise and then we can trust in something in these promises this trust the promises come from this hope and just like a mother um nurtures her child we must receive that in a seed these children are the fruit of the Spirit and the of the promises of God. And whatever may happen, we must not look at our losses. We must not look at the losses of our life. We must look at the inexistent and focus our attention on that reward that is already given to us in Christ Jesus. And in doing so, we write it on our hearts and then he who reads will be able to easily read it. And we know that he who reads is none other than God because no one knows the thoughts of man Only man himself knows. And when we proclaim before God, we write this in our hearts, and then he who reads can easily read it and can fulfill all of these promises. And as I've said, uh, the rivers that pour out oil for me is the the union of our mouth with the mouth of God. I have put my words in your mouth and I have covered you with the shadow of my hand that I may plant the heavens, lay the foundations of the earth and say to Zion, you are my people. This is when we proclaim the faith of the heart. And the last, not the last one, but the eighth portion, uh, eighth portion in the name of God, Rock of Israel, in the heart of a disciple of Christ defines itself in victory over the Philistines. From two rocks. And here there is a lengthy place of scripture that is very interesting. This is the story about Jonathan, the son of Saul, when he, along with his armor bearers, this is written in First Kings, First Samuel, chapter fourteen, verse one to twenty-three. I want to leave some time for prayer. I won't read it. I will just try to quickly uh, re- say of it when. When he had conducted victory, when he climbed up on these rocks, and the Philistines, the Philistines that were on the other side of that rock, they were trembling. The Philistines, the whole earth trembled. There was trembling in the camp, in the field, and among all the people because of the victory that he had done. I will read this place of scripture because you can't repeat it with your own words. Now it happened one day that Jonathan the son of Saul said to the young men who bore his armor, "Come, let us go over to the Philistine garrison that is on the other side." But he did not tell his father. And Saul was sitting the outskirts of Gibeah under a pomegranate tree, and the Philistines had fallen. The first slaughter which Jonathan his ombre made was about 20 men with within about half an acre of land. And there was trembling in the camp, in the field, and among all the people. The garrison and the raiders also trembled, and the earth quaked, so that it was a very great trembling. Now the watchmen of Saul and Gibeah and Benjamin looked, and there was a multitude melting away, and they went here and there. This is what the Rock of Israel does in us. When we take this portion, we have held h- 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 on to this portion, all the Philistines, all of the uncircumcised thoughts, they will tremble. So God is going to bring upon such horror, and we will be made victorious. We, in, we are in Christ, and the victory is in us. There is nothing that we can't overcome with Christ. We know that Philistines are the inhabitants of the land of Canaan that did not circumcise, that served as an example of a covenant between us and God. In their multitude, uh, they were acted, people looked at them with disdain. And under the Israelites, we see the warrior of prayer, this is us. The Philistines is an image of our old man who carries the program of the fallen cherubim. And the image of the heights, the rock is Urim the two rocks, is the Word of God and the Holy Spirit that are found not somewhere not a pastor somewhere else in the temple, but in our heart. When in our heart we take this word, we accept the Holy Spirit as the Lord and ruler of our life, we will overcome. And the definition of our portion, the name of God, Rock of Israel, is victory over these Philistines from the position of the two rocks and the dignity of the Reim and Thummim. Amen. Let us pray. Heavenly Father we with thanksgiving come to you in the name of Jesus Christ and we thank you for your son who has died for our sins and has risen for our justification and doing so having opened for us the path to the inheritance you have given to your son And in your Son, Jesus Christ, we share this inherited portion. I thank you. You are a part of our inheritance and our cup. You hold our lot. Our feet have walked upon marvelous places, and our inheritance is pleasing to us. I thank you, Lord, that today you reveal this inheritance and you give us this inheritance through your preached word. Through your messengers who pass it along to us, and we accept it, and with thanksgiving, we thank you. We thank you for the inherited portion in your names, in the name of God Most High. You are our strength, our stronghold. I thank you. You, Lord, are my deliverer, and the rock. I thank you for the inherited portion in your name, Rock of Israel. I thank you for the righteousness that reigns in my heart in the fear of the Lord. I thank you for the resurrection of Jesus Christ that has reigned in my heart and my essence. I thank you for your kingdom that has come in power. I thank you, Lord, for the dignity of the high origin that partakes us to Zion, that is the height of your beauty, power, and glory. And according to your great mercy, we are a part of your Zion, upon which you look at, which you are observing, and which you are keeping May you be vigilant over your words that it may be fulfilled. I thank you. I thank you, Lord, for the dove and for the part that I am. For Thank you that you are in me and that I am your representative being transformed into your holy image. I can search for you and find you to test the riches of your glory and trust in this glory. The mystery that you have hidden from generations you today reveal and what riches and greatness is in this mystery for us, Christ in us. This great mystery that you reveal to us today, I thank you that we are able to search for you and to find you to test Resurrection in the sphere of our contrition. I thank you that in Christ Jesus, you have made us a new creation, that we are redeemed by you. We are those who represent your power. I thank you for that peace and that rest that we have in you, for the service of justification, that we have in Christ Jesus for the good and clean conscience. You are the God of all grace who has called us into his eternal glory. May you perfect us in our afflictions. May you af- affirm us and may you create us unshakable and immovable. Will be glory to you and power forever and ever. Amen. We thank you, Lord. That dwelling in Christ Jesus, we are able to know you, the living and true God, and Jesus Christ, who was sent by you, thanks to the fact that your Son has come and given us light and reasoning. I thank you in Christ Jesus. The, in Christ Jesus, we are dead to sin and alive to you, and that we have no condemnation because we are in you. I thank you, you have been made wisdom. You've been made wisdom for us, righteousness, sanctification, and redemption. And we boast only of you that we know you. Because only are only you are He who creates righteousness and judgment. Fulfill this righteousness, peace and judgment, and may you fulfill it in my essence. And may you fulfill it among your people. I thank you for your mercy. Judgment and righteousness. I thank you for your life. You have hewn us out of the rock. And today we look upon this rock, we look upon Christ, upon the power that is contained in His life, that is in us today. In each cell of my body, I thank you for your life, that you have destroyed the power of death, and I thank you for the promise of victory over reigning sin. And I thank you for your life. In my essence, I thank you for your life among your people may this life grow and may it fulfill our whole essence our spirit our soul and our body I thank you we know that our bodies are a temple of the Holy Spirit this is not an image of the temple but it is a temple and you have a way today we build ourselves into a spiritual dwelling a holy temple so that it will be pleasing for you to live in there so that we can bring joy to you and bring spiritual sacrifices that could be pleasing and acceptable by you i thank you that you have hewn a, t- dug us from the pit of the death in the death of the lord jesus and have lifted us up and today we have heard that cry Stand, my beloved, flee out of death, and may the resurrection of Christ reign in our bodies. I thank you for that cry that has sounded. The groom is coming. Go out to meet him. We have fixed our lampstands. And we thank you for the oil in our vessels. We are ready, Lord, to meet you. Reign, O Lord Jesus Christ, come. And the bride shall say, come, we wait for you. I thank you, Lord. We, according to your word, can be brought up on this height that is higher than we are. And to live and create our dwelling upon this rock. We are apart from fleshly thoughts and we are satisfied by life with you. I thank you for your love that you have demonstrated to us, revealing these promises to us. Today, they resurrect and reign and fulfill our whole essence. I thank you, Lord, for your dwelling in the dignity of Zion. We are found in rest among your among your midst. I thank you. I thank you for the path living and true that you have opened to us the death of your lord and that we can enter into the sanctuary through the truth about the blood and the truth about the cross. I thank you the, the cross of the lord Jesus for me The world is crucified, and I to the world. I have died to my nation, my household, and my corrupt desires in order to become one people with your people, to become one with your house, your family, and in order to fulfill your desires. I thank you, Lord. I thank you for the union of my lips with your lips, and today I proclaim... And proclaim the faith of my heart, in that in what You have done for me, and I thank You. Thank You for death and resurrection. You have opened a free entrance to the Holy of Holies. All of the systems of my body find rest and exclaim from joy regarding this promise that you have given to us. I thank you, Lord. I thank you for victory, victory over the Philistines, over uncircumcised thoughts. I thank you that we have taken off the old man with his works. We have renewed our thinking with the spirit of our mind and are clothed into the new man. We are clothed into your perfect, selective, holy love, an inherited portion, stronghold. We are affirmed so that we can come to perfection. And I thank you, Lord. I thank you. You are my God. May your name be magnified among your holy nation. Father, Son, and Holy Spirit, Amen. Our Father in heaven.